0: Looking to start your own website? The first thing you need is a domain name, and the best place to get one is at GoDaddy.com. With your domain registration, you'll get hosting, a free blog, complete email, and much more. Plus, as a MuggleCast listener, enter code RON, that's R-O-N, when you check out, and get your .com domain name for just $7.49 a year. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. This week's episode of MuggleCast is also brought to you by Audible, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash
1: mugglecast. Hello, this is David Heyman, and I'm the producer of The Harry Potter Films, and this is MuggleCast.
2: Because Hedwig's got a whole lot of toed. Hey, hey, what the? This is MuggleCast episode 204 for August the 6th, 2010.
0: Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's a very exciting episode. It's our five... Well, we're we're celebrating with episode 204. We're celebrating our fifth birthday. Yay! Uh, First episode of MuggleCast was August 5th? 7th. 7th. Right, Micah? Micah knows. Yeah. I have no idea. It was August
2: the 7th, 2005. It was
0: Ben a person named Kevin <laughs> and I and, and it was a wonderful beginning to uh, the five years of uh, you know great podcasting we're here now you know can you I, I, I would you guys have guessed we'd be doing this five years later definitely not
1: (laughs) absolutely not
0: was that due to lack in faith of us or what
1: well no it was just because you know by the time we started this show we only had one book left and at the time i sort of figured that by the time book seven came out we'd sort of wrap things up
0: could you imagine if we started it at like sorcerer's stone like say we were like 15 (laughs) like 10 years
1: old no but say we were 15 (laughs) or 16 and like that'd
0: be insane but
1: and we would be like yeah. I don't know, much older. So now.
0: we have some celebrating to do today and we're also gonna kick off chapter by chapter, Goblet of Fire. What? We're gonna look at chapters one through three of the fourth book in the Harry Potter series, and of course catch everyone up on the latest news. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm
1: Eric Skull. I'm Laura Thompson.
0: And I'm Mike and Tanabell. Tana bomb update us. What's been going on in the Harry Potter world the past couple of weeks?
2: Well, uh, we were in Orlando just a couple of weeks ago, and we had a great time, I think, right, at Infinitus 2010. It was a hot and- time. Oh,
1: my God. It was so much fun. Yes, it was. <laughs> it I wish was. we could go back to that. It was great to see everyone.
0: Uh,
2: all of it you. Was.
1: And, and yeah. the
0: listeners, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we did two podcasts as... The listeners who are there know we did one at the actual convention, and then we did one at the Wizarding World. And uh, I was kind of a a little bit more excited for the one at the park. What about you guys? We were all there. We all did the podcast. So what did you
3: guys think? I think think on the whole, the one at the con was was more successful. Um, the one, however, the one in the three broomsticks was landmark. That was, that was what we're going to remember doing is moving tables and having the guys, you know, inside the three broomsticks say, where do you want? these speakers you know like that's gonna be that's <laughs> yeah. gonna
1: be
0: the most memorable so yeah overall it was great meeting all the fans there in orlando we we had a big turnout for the one at the conference and that was yeah. obviously mm-hmm. that was the biggest harry potter conference to, to date i think they had 2500 attendees there and so we had a big turnout for the muggle cast at the conference and also a nice size group in the park so
1: yeah. I mean, the issue, the issue with the three broomsticks is, of course, it's a restaurant. So it's not yeah. that big. Not that many people could get in for it. Um, but I definitely think it was, it, I have to agree with Eric in saying that was more of like a personal landmark for us, right. you know, being yeah. able to, for Micah to be able to say, because we're in the three broomsticks, <laughs> that was just awesome. That was so much fun.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, while we're on the topic of the park, let, let's kind of give our final thoughts on it. You know, what did we think from the food to the rides to just the overall experience?
0: I've given, I think myself and Eric have given our thoughts plenty. So let's hear from Micah and Laura. Uh, Laura, you're the lady, so y- you go first. What did you, what did you think? Cause literally that was your first time in the park that night.
1: Yeah. Um, because I was, you know, not fortunate enough to get to go into it for any sort of, you know, opening event because I wasn't here, but. It was so incredible. I was actually walking into the park for the first time that night on the Night of a Thousand Wizards. And I was with a friend of ours, Greg Gershman, who you might know from some of our other podcasts. And he was talking to me about something. And I was actually paying attention to him. But as soon as we crossed into the wizarding world, like, I totally tuned him out. He kept talking. I wasn't paying attention to him. I was just looking around in awe. Like, oh, my God, I'm actually in the world of Harry Potter. This is so amazing. And he finally looked at me and he was like, you are geeking out hardcore (laughs) right now, aren't you? Did you tear up, Laura?
0: Did any tears?
1: No, I didn't tear up, but I was definitely taken aback because, you know, you have these books that you've been reading since you were 10 or 11 years old, you've watched them be turned into movies. Um, You know, you've been to readings with the author, you've met some of the actors and then it's like, you're actually in the middle of it. And for the first time, it's like tangible and real. Right. And that's definitely like a very surreal feeling, but very cool. How about you, Micah, any similar sentiments?
2: Yeah. I mean, I I agree with a lot of what uh, Laura just said and, you know, just to be able to experience it and to uh, you know go on those rides, I thought they did a great job with the uh, Forbidden Journey ride and the queue. I thought there's there's plenty to do even if you're stuck out in the heat waiting. Uh, I didn't go on the Dragon Challenge uh, as I mentioned on the live show. I, I was more scared of Flight of the Hippogriff than I was on the Forbidden Journey. That's I'm so just strange. not a a roller coaster person <laughs> regardless of whether it's a kid's roller coaster or an adult roller coaster uh but it was just great i mean and and i think the, the best part of it was just you know experiencing it all with you guys and you know for what we've done as we just said over these last five years to be able to all go and do it together i mean that was what was great yeah. about it
1: mm-hmm.
2: all right and butter beer. It <laughs> was and, very good. Yes, it was.
1: Yeah, I tried that for the first time on the live show at the Three Broomsticks.
0: Oh, that's right. And it was. Yeah, quite that good. was cool. That was very cool that you. Yeah. Did that. I I was like, uh, all right, here's the butterbeer, but you, Matt, and Lisa, you all wait till the <laughs> yeah. show. You
1: cannot drink <laughs> Don't that. Drink
0: it. <laughs> Sitting there tempting you, looking how was... delicious. I, I think I might have to
2: take it up with uh, uh, Aberforth, though. I was not too impressed with the Hog's Head Ale.
0: Oh, oh really? really?
1: I didn't have any of that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not into it too much either. If, if it's anyone- Strongbow. Yes. If anyone does go, Strongbow is the drink you want to be consuming. Of course, if you're older than 21. Uh, it's a, it's a cider. Uh, very popular in England, and it's fantastic. I was so happy to hear that they were putting it in the wizarding world, cause it's not, it's not easy to find in America. So, very cool that they had that there, cause it's, cause it's English, so.
2: I'm Googling bars in New York City that search Strongbow, <laughs> <serve> Strongbow right <laughs> now. I've actually thought about doing that and seeing if there are any. I'm sure there's got to be a couple.
0: I've since bought some Strongbow bottles. Uh, <laughs> you can buy them in some liquor stores. Not all. Very few. But when you do find it, oh, will you enjoy it. We'd like to remind everyone again that this podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audio book to consider is Sizzling 16, a Stephanie Plume novel by Janet Ivanovich. So to listen to that book or many more, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Anyway, Micah, what else is going on?
2: Uh, Comic-Con 2010 was recently held in San Diego, not too long after Infinitus. Andrew, I know uh, you pretty much uh, hopped. Your way from Florida to uh, Cleveland to uh, San Diego. <laughs> yes.
0: So uh, this is the first time there was a Harry Potter uh, – y- you know, I hesitate to call it panel because it really wasn't. But there was a Harry Potter presence at Comic-Con, and they showed footage from Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows, parts one and two. It was some trailer clips, but there was a lot of new clips. It was about five or six minutes total. It was fantastic. It was I literally my mouth was probably my jaw was at, on the floor for half half of the 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 five to six minutes. Uh, I I mentioned this on a leaky mug I did with Melissa from the leaky cauldron. You see uh, shots of the seven Potters. You see uh, uh, Malfoy Manor with Snape talking to Voldemort. The, the clips were fantastic. And, you know, you always, you see these types of, I guess it would be considered, this would be considered a featurette. You see the featurettes and the trailers and they get you so excited because they add this extra music. And, you know, the way it's packaged, it, you know, yeah, you, you watch and you're like, Oh my God, best thing ever. Right? Cause that's what you, for all the trailers too, for every movie. Oh my God. Oh my God. This looks like the best one yet. <laughs> so. I've learned my lesson after all these years, and I will hesitate from saying this looks like the best one yet, even though I really do believe that. Why? It's going to be the last one. I know. and <laughs> yeah, I, hope, <laughs> I
1: hope it is the best one yeah, yet, it otherwise be, right? it's going to be a big letdown. Yeah.
0: But I will say the footage was fantastic. It's It's leaving me very excited for these final two films. I can't wait to see it. I'm more excited about part one now. Uh, than I was before because oh, really? of all those seven pot... The seven pot... You see you see the seven Harrys and they look so good. Yeah.
1: So now I have a question about that. That was a very funny scene in the book. Do they keep it funny in the movie? It was or a very quick preserver-
0: clip. I, I didn't see much, okay. but you see Harry wearing di- different clothes and I think it's the clothes of the person he had just transformed from.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So
0: And I think <laughs> the one I that stood out to me was, I think, Hermione. I saw him in a girlish type of... But that was surreal seeing seven, because <laughs> yeah, I've been and I've said it on MuggleCast before. I've been looking forward to that scene very yeah. much, and to see that on the screen. But Snape and Voldemort, those scenes stood out too. And um, what else? I can't. What else There's did a, I post? It said
2: about? a shot of a dead Dumbledore.
0: Yes, and you see Voldemort right over top of him. So like half the screen is Dumbledore, and then top <laughs> oh, half. Right.
1: So You, you, you and Melissa were one? freaking
0: out about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But also, it was like hitting my leg half the time i have a black and blue mark left over from that Uh, what's this about harry and hagrid driving through hogwarts oh no no no, not hogwarts uh driving through london did i write hogwarts in my notes yeah yeah because see like i was writing these uh, i was writing notes down so feverishly uh, like i didn't take my eyes off the screen i was just jotting it down um and they made me turn my laptop screen off so i was just writing like blankly like i had no idea what i was typing but no it, it's harry and Hagrid. Heger- a lot of clips of them driving through london and remember we had seen shots of them filming that stuff like a year or two ago right right and they were on the road and everyone freaked out they were like why are they on the road well they are on the road in the film too and i guess that's to make it more dramatic because they're like zooming in and out of cars yeah. what, at one point you see them sort of do like a loop de loop in the tunnel like they go they go they drive they start driving like up on the ceiling to avoid the uh cars on the road that's uh that's like men in black
1: <laughs> men in black style yeah idea. yeah that's
0: exactly <laughs> what,
3: it that's, actually, what it is it's actually scenes for men in black altered for harry yeah. and Hedwig. so that's
0: yeah. harry and hagrid they're on hagrid's hagrid. motorbike of course
1: sounds like the ultimate uh road trip
0: yeah and we also see ron talking about listening to uh the radio um, yeah, because it's actually a very emotional scene. It's in the tent and Ron's, well, right, and leading up to Ron's fight, right? With, right, with right. Him. And Ron's sort of like, maybe he was in tears, but he was saying to Harry, like, I'm listening every day just to hear Ginny and Fred and George's and uh, they all their voices. And it's like, "Oh, like, he's, yeah. he's, he's kind of homesick. So, oh, and then some crazy shots of Bellatrix. I mean, God, she's crazy. <laughs> I watch these movies just for her nowadays. Like, she is so intense.
1: She's incredible. Yeah, she I really love is. watching her. She clearly has so much fun with that part. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh. And by the way, it was Tom Felton who introduced all these clips, and uh, we got to interview him afterwards. It was a nice little sit-down interview, about 20, 30 minutes, and he didn't reveal too much new information, but he was saying that, you know, it, he really is proud of this final film, and it's going to be something to look forward to.
2: So, so he's becoming the face a little bit, isn't he? Of of these movies, he did a lot for Half Blood Prince, and he seems to be doing a lot for this film as well.
0: Exactly. And finally, from Comic Con, they had lots of props on set. They had, or they had lots of props on display. They had Ravenclaw's uh, diadem, the Elder Wand, the Hufflepuff <laughs> yeah, top. Yeah, I saw time this. Time Turner, mm-hmm. Slytherin's locket, the Riddle diary. So that was cool. I was I like, hey, the Time Turner, huh? Yeah. How does the Time Turner fit in with all of these? Fun fact: I don't know. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> it looked nice. I I, I can't tell you
2: because it doesn't get used in the in the final book.
1: No, maybe it's yeah. just left
3: over. It's sort of just
1: yeah, and I'm sure they just threw it in there because they could. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean like yeah, the, the
3: diary is a Horcrux, but we're not going to see the diary again. We're going to see the basilisk fangs again, possibly.
0: So anyway, what else is going on, Micah? Don't h- hold out on us. Come on.
3: All right.
2: Well, in a new interview, uh, Deathly Hallows video game executive producer Jonathan Bunny. Answered some questions for fans that were posted on Facebook. And some of these things we knew before, but a little bit new information on the video game. Uh, he mentioned that you're no longer going to be at Hogwarts, and that's why he thinks this game will appeal to more fans than those that have played the ones that have come previously. Uh, you know, it's kind of more of, of, of an action game than. Previously, uh, Dan and Emma will not be lending their voices to the game. What? Uh, they're too busy.
0: What?
1: <laughs> oh my god! That
0: is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, but Ron, but Rupert yep. is.
2: He, no, he, he'll be there. He'll he'll he, he will record his voice. G- for are, the game. are they
0: doing auditions for Harry and Hermione? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, think you I might I do... want to give it a oh, try. Oh my god, yeah. Andrew,
1: you should go for Hermione. Hermione, Laura Thompson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. If you go for Harry, I'll go for Hermione. Okay,
1: fine. Let's let's audition together. I'm serious. Oh
0: no. Hello, Hamora. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Hamora.
1: Exactly. This is what kills me. Okay. With how dealing. many things do they actually say in these games? Yeah. They have like five yeah. lines or and something they like that. And they couldn't sit Emma
3: down and say, "Hey, look. Okay, we'll we'll give you the test test answers. Just just come over here. Just just come but over here. But school
0: isn't this. really an excuse. I mean, they they've done. F- uh, I don't, it should be in their contracts when they do these films. They should have to do the, do the video game films too. I think it or
1: was originally, wasn't it? Like any other additional material they had to do? Maybe it's not anymore now that the movies are finished. And I mean, these, the movies are finished, these video but... game
0: characters look like the actors. So, wow, that must have been a setback when they found out that Dan and Emma wouldn't uh, be. You know, that's the other thing though. Like
3: when they're not going to use the original voices, I feel like they could also cast a little bit better as far as, uh, sound alikes you know like it's not yeah, like that's a, true. if if you're not going to you know then then definitely search far and wide for somebody who sounds just like them. yeah there's a lot of people who can do really good impressions so
2: Onward. the uh the the forests they will be full of creatures uh, oh, like good. dragons true. giants oh, like uh, that spiders there's not going to be a special collectors edition but there are going to do something uh with the packaging so that's something to look Ooh, forward to I holographic guess. And this game will not be released on PlayStation Two. So all those <sighs> people out there that have PlayStation Two that are getting <laughs> aggravated now—I think the Lego game didn't come out on PS Two either. Time for an upgrade. You guys, got to upgrade. Yeah, uh,
3: exactly. Micah, you're killing me. You're telling me to upgrade. I don't want to upgrade.
0: What if I don't want to upgrade?
1: Yeah, I love my PS Two.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I don't see the point in purchasing this if Dan and Emma are not. Uh, contributing <laughs> exactly. To so.
1: However, if Andrew and I are on it, you should all go out. I'll and buy, it. buy it.
0: I'll buy you a PS3, Laura. <laughs> if, if if we're going to be on it.
2: But should an advanced copy be given to you for review, then you'd have no problem playing it, right, Andrew? Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> all right, Michael. What else is going on? Come on. Uh,
2: British author Adrian Jacobs. Um, you know, th- this was a story that uh, came about actually when we were in Orlando, uh, was suing Scholastic, claiming that Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Was substantially similar to Jacob's 1987 book, "The Adventures of Willy the Wizard." Uh, Scholastic. <laughs> uh, what? Just
1: because his name sorry. is Keep Willy. your mind
3: out of the gutter, please.
2: Whoa, this seriously. is a professional no, no, just like show.
1: Willy the Wizard. That's so that's ridiculous so sounding. Anyway, mind- Harry
3: Potter. That's so simple minded. Jeez. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but Scholastic released a statement saying
2: that uh, this claim is completely without merit and uh fight it (laughs) jk rowling um basically reiterated what she said uh, back in 2004 when the accusation first took place that she never heard of the author or the book um, until that year
0: so maybe i'm crazy but i just don't understand how does the temptation of money you could potentially I... win from a lawsuit sounds so large that like you just lose all sense of common sense because how would they possibly win this case knowing that jk rowling did not copy willie willie the wizard yeah
1: i don't know i mean it's the same you've seen this before like who was that author who um said that jk rowling stole the word muggle from her
0: Yeah, I I can't remember. Yeah,
1: but it's just ridiculous. I mean, the fact of the matter is with writing and particularly with genres such as fantasy, you're going to have overlap like that. I mean, obviously, if you're writing about a wizard, there are going to be dragons. Like, you can't sit here and say, oh, my God, she plagiarized me because, you know, I don't know what his his exact claim was, but I'm sure it had something to do with, you know, the the basic storyline or you know some of the creatures that were present and that's just ridiculous
0: it had to do with goblet of fire in particular and i think the triwizard tournament there was some sort of similarities between three tasks or something
1: oh wow because we've never seen that in literature before exactly
0: (laughs) and even jk rowling was like honestly i've never heard of this book before
1: (laughs) good for her Yeah,
2: or the author for that matter and uh, one of the other claims was that Christopher Little, Rowling's agent, um, was also apparently the agent of Adrian Jacobs, and that's completely not true. Uh, I don't know where they came up with that. So I guess they were trying to say that because they potentially shared an agent that – they agent shared ideas. Yeah, exactly, but it's not even true that, that they share the same agent. Uh, yeah, crap. Onward. Alright, well, not even two months after the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park opened in Orlando, there are rumors concerning a park to be opened in India featuring rides from universal properties such as Harry Potter. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, Reliance, a media to energy conglomerate backed by billionaire Anil Ambani, Would be full owner of the park, but would pay Universal royalties and fees for using brands and content linked to popular Hollywood movies such as Jaws, E.T. Spider-Man, and the Harry Potter franchise. The park would look much like Universal's other major theme parks in L.A., Orlando, Florida, and Japan, with a variety of roller coasters and rides, shops with movie-related merchandise, and nearby hotels.
0: 400 acres, by the way, the the plan for this park is... 400 acres. Not the Harry Potter part, but, you know, I I think it would be at least the same size as the one in uh, the Harry Potter portion would be at least the same size. So it's just some guy with a lot of money and he can pay royalties to, like, build stuff? Well, apparently this is in the very early stages of discussion, so it's not even close to official. Uh, but, but it's I, kind of worth mentioning. You know?
3: I feel like yeah, you could you could do this if you uh, if you could pay your lawyers, you could build your own Harry Potter park.
0: You know, yeah. just
3: pay the court costs.
0: Oh, they have some I deal with Universal, of course. You know, it's not as simple as you're making it out to
3: sound. But right. I feel like I feel like Harry Potter would be a separate because you know the, yeah, the Harry agree. Potter park exists because of an agreement between warner brothers and universal so right. it's not exactly a universal property whereas you know the other the other movie rides were you know produced by universal as a company you know i mean i think it's 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 warner brothers it's it's uh jk Rowling. a lot of other
0: things for the harry potter portion of that park so i i feel like that yeah. wouldn't the only reason the story has credibility is because it's from the wall street journal otherwise we wouldn't have posted it Uh, but I, you know, it is, I think without question, there will be other Harry Potter parks. It's just going to take several years and this may be the first one.
2: That would really piss off London, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. London
3: would get very upset again. I think we were saying when we were in the, in the Harry Potter park that they should just tear down the lost continent and expand the Harry Potter part. Yeah. It'll definitely grow. Yeah.
1: I don't see why they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh,
2: birthday announcement. Um, J.K. Rowling celebrated her 45th birthday. The party was great. The booze was even better. <laughs> I have no idea, actually, but uh, happy <laughs> birthday to J.K. Rowling and, of course, Harry Potter. Coincidentally born on the same date. No idea how that happened.
0: And <laughs> in honor of them, I think we should play the unbirthday song from Alice in Wonderland. Happy <laughs> To Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and J.K. Rowling. I'm Happy birthday. Harry Potter, oh, J.K. Rowling. Oh man. Okay. Happy birthday, Dan.
1: Wow. Wow, Andrew. <laughs> wow. That
0: was that was
2: almost as good as us. <laughs> and uh, also, as you mentioned at the top of the show, MuggleCast turning five years old on August the seventh. What? Which is this
0: Saturday? Uh. Yes, Saturday. All right. So we should play the song again. No, oh. the to MuggleCast. To MuggleCast. Oh, Happy birthday, guys. That was short.
3: <laughs> hey, Micah.
0: <laughs> yes. Did you,
3: um, did you get your pants?
0: Did
2: I get my pants? Yes, I did. You got your pants? We are uh, uh, our, The hosts of MuggleCast seem to have <laughs> a, a problem leaving their pants in hotel rooms to be shipped at a later date. <laughs> and and you I, I,
1: you did that, Micah? I have a yeah, problem of collecting these pants
3: and <laughs> holding on to them. Yeah, Eric, you
2: always them. seem to be the one who collects them. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, well, at it's least, you
1: know, luckily for you, Micah, it's not as awkward for Eric to ask you on the air if you got your pants in the mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, good but stuff. I'm, I'm and um, Okay. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really else to say about our birthday other than that. Thank you, everyone, so much for your support over the years. I mean, it's been five really amazing years of podcasting. Mugglecast, you know, started a lot of things for us, so we're all very appreciative. And hopefully everyone's enjoyed the show, and thanks everyone for sticking with us all this time. There's a lot of people, you know, we've gotten some birthday emails so far, and there's a lot of people who uh, said, you know, yeah, I've been listening to since the beginning, and I've grown up with the show, and that's really cool to hear, because... You know, we have two. Yeah. So is that it, Micah? That is it for the news. All right. Now, as promised, we're going to start chapter by chapter for
3: *Goblet of Fire*. This is—I gotta say—picking this up to do chapter by chapter. It was the first book I read that I owned. You know, the first. I had to lift weights to get in book. shape to
0: pick it up and <laughs> hold it for long periods of time. But anyway, I thought uh before we got into the chapters, we could start out with some fun facts about this book that I picked up while, uh you know researching the book online just a couple of days ago. It was originally titled Harry Potter and the Doom Spell Tournament. Then Joe came up with Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament before settling on Goblet of Fire. And I don't... Thinking in the grand scope yeah. of the book... Doomspell Tournament and Triwizard Tournament don't really make sense, especially Doomspell.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, that actually reminds me. um, I started reading Harry Potter in like the fifth grade. I read it right after Prisoner of Azkaban came out. And I was talking to this kid in my class who was also really big into it. And I distinctly remember him telling me, yeah, book four is going to be called Harry Potter and the Doomspell Tournament because I guess that was the rumor at the time. And I remember thinking, even as like an 11-year-old, like, God, that's a dumb title. Why would she call it that? Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> totally. I wonder if he got that information from MuggleNet back in the day.
1: Possibly, because I didn't know MuggleNet existed back then. So
0: she rewrote the ninth chapter, The Dark Mark, 13 times. That's another fun fact. And then she, she almost thought of removing it entirely, and... um. So I thought when we get to that chapter, we'll have to look at it and figure out why on earth it took so many tries. Thirteen times she rewrote it. That's crazy. And some other facts. She wrote in a new character, a Weasley cousin who served the same purpose as Rita Skeeter, but then removed her because of some plot hole in the middle of the book. thought that was interesting. And finally, it was the first book to be released in the U.S. and U.K. on the same day, which was July 8th, 2000. And you know, I still remember going to the store at midnight. I was down at the beach and I, I was I had a we were at this shore house at, on the boardwalk. I walked up the boardwalk to the bookstore and waited until midnight and I took one of their boxes too. And on the side of the box it said Harry Potter and <laughs> yep. the Goblet of Fire. Do not open until midnight. <laughs> I still have that box. Um do you guys all remember where you were for the midnight releases of this book? Yeah. No. Yeah. Laura, where were you? Well,
1: I actually didn't get to go to a midnight release party. I remember we had just moved to Georgia, and I was super angry at my parents because I had no friends, and it was summertime. I didn't know anybody. And I was going to go to a midnight release party, but the bookstore we were going to go to, um, we decided to try and support like an independent bookstore, and they ended up canceling their midnight release party. Oh, So geez. I wasn't able to go, <laughs> and I had to wait until the next day. It was killing me because I had planned on staying up all night to read it, so we had to wait till the next to go to Barnes & Noble and get it. But I literally spent the next three days holed up in my room reading that book. And my poor mother was like, wow, it's 700 pages long. She'll re- It'll take her all summer to read this. She'll stop complaining. Nope. Three days. Three days. Yeah.
0: Wow. Look at you, Laura Thompson, Book Machine. Eric, Micah, any... Micah, you didn't get into it at this point. You weren't into it at this point, right? No, no. July 8th, 2000.
2: That was the summer before my my first year in college so that uh yeah i wasn't into harry potter i don't think probably for a couple years later maybe a four or five
3: and eric where were and you i was not a fan until uh, probably two years later yeah uh
0: uh you people rookies. well anyway laura, laura and i are true pros you're veterans yes exactly Alright, well, let's get into it. Eric has the first chapter. That would be chapter one, The Riddle House. I, I wanted to bring up something (laughs) before, before you started. We got this email from, (laughs) we got this email from Leisha, 17 in Texas, and she brings up a good point, so it's something to keep in mind. Uh, chapter one is Harry's first dream about Voldemort, but it differs in one really big way from all the other dreams. And that is that Harry sees things from Frank's point of view. In all the other dreams, things are seen due to a connection with Voldemort and his horcruxes. So why would Harry have a connection with Frank? This has always been something that didn't make sense to me. I don't think that
3: that's entirely accurate. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but you did try and steal my thunder there. Um, I don't think that Chapter 1 is Harry's dream. I think Harry has a dream involving the events at the end of chapter one, but a lot of chapter one is, is, is J.K. Rowling, the narrator of the Harry Potter series, writing to us about the history of the town. I don't think Harry has a dream from Frank's perspective. Uh, at least until the until the very end, because we get a lot of a lot of backstory and stuff that that's just not in the same tone. Uh, oh, yeah he may be right. So you, may be I, very... you know what I'm saying? I, I I get the feeling that once once uh you know, Frank is in the room with Voldemort, possibly just before when the snake is involved, that's when Harry's dream starts. Harry's dream obviously ends with the death of Frank Bryce, which concludes at the end of this this chapter, but we'll uh we'll get into that later. So I I feel like the whole chapter isn't Harry's dream of Voldemort. Fair enough. So, so. get started, go for it. Anyway, uh, Goblet of Fire opens up with the discovery ooh of the murder of Tom Riddle Senior and his parents. This is this is a cool. This is this was fun to read. Um, basically, uh, Tom Riddle Senior and his parents live in a mansion or a manor in uh, li- in Little Hangleton, and uh, it's a little town. And Frank Bryce, the gardener, is arrested, and the townspeople don't believe it uh, until they get together at the pub, sort of the night after the murders, and uh, eventually they get to-, to drinking and talking, and one of them says, I always thought he had a funny look about him, right enough. And somebody else says, War turned him funny, if you ask me. And by the next morning, Joe writes, Hardly anyone in Little Hangleton doubted that Frank Bryce had killed the Riddles. So I, I, I think Joe, what we're getting here in this first chapter, Joe is, is commenting on on small towns in the in, in, in the Potter series. She's really illustrating what small towns people are like, you know, there's this big murder, it's a mystery, nobody knows who done it, and uh and and by you know they, they get to drink and they get to talking and all of a sudden they all agree that surely it was the Gardener. So do you think, uh, what do you think she's saying? What are you guys' thoughts on, on this whole, how she's portrayed in, in the first few pages? It's, she's, she's very, you know,
0: brilliantly fleshed out, uh, sort of the townspeople. I think you're right. And it's sort of, it, 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 it makes you feel bad for Frank because, you know, how everyone is so quick to assume it was him when it wasn't, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, and, I mean, also having spent, you know, the vast majority of my growing up years in a small town, something that you see oftentimes like this, you, you live in sort of this, it's almost like a bubble where people think bad things don't happen here because it's not the big city. And then when something bad does happen, people almost have this, like this need to justify it in some means that their mind can accept it. And, and so that they can also think it could never happen to me. So for them to look at the circumstances of this murder, um, you know, now, of course, we all know who actually killed them, but nobody would want to confront that terrible realization that, you know, my son could go crazy and kill me. Instead, it's, yeah, Frank Bryce, he was weird. And it's always trying to pawn <laughs> that off on some, like, external factor. Like, it couldn't be any of us normal people. It had to be him. So... And it
3: had to be, had to be the war that done it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so the fact that we're in this this village we'd never been to before, Little Hangleton, uh, it's a little bit interesting because the you know the first three Harry Potter books, you know where you are. I mean you're you're pretty much on Privet Drive uh, from the get go. And so the fact that this takes place, I think it's 200 miles away, is is I think sets the tone for the book, which is a book about you know branching out in the world, getting to know you know the sort of the greater wizarding world it it, just the world in general i think it's a bigger a book with a with a bigger mind so it was really cool to see that now uh one quick point i wanted to bring up here frank bryce says uh, he tells the police that he's innocent and he says that he saw a teenage boy a stranger who was dark-haired and pale um uh, you know around the manor before the riddles were killed Uh, But nobody else in the village had seen any such boy, and the police were quite sure that Frank had invented him, according to the book. I'm asking, why was Frank the only one who saw this this boy who we know was actually a young
0: Voldemort? He kept to himself, right? He never went out.
1: Well, I think the fact of the matter is Frank um, really seemed to know the grounds of that home better than anyone else. I mean, he'd been there for some number of years. And, you know, it's quite possible when you're living on the grounds, you're going to see more of it than the townspeople are. They don't live there. Right. So if he saw Tom Riddle walking up to the house, he probably was the only one who saw him, especially considering Tom didn't live there.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. I, th-
2: I think that, uh, you know, and, and Tom is a pretty smart person. He's not going to wander around the village where other people can see him, especially if he's about to go commit a murder.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had a very specific purpose. He had a very specific reason to be there. And he just basically came, did his stuff, and left. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, um, what you were saying, Laura, this fits in my next point. Uh, The coroner's report... So everybody in the town expects or suspects Frank... And evidently the report came back on the bodies and, quote, changed everything. Listen to this. This is great. None of the riddles had been poisoned, stabbed, shot, strangled, suffocated, or, as far as they could tell, harmed at all. In fact, the report continued, The riddles all appeared to be in perfect health, apart from the fact that they were dead. (laughs) So yeah. this is actually the reason I wrote this. The reason I like, or Joe wrote this. I didn't write this, but the reason I brought it up is because this is, um, this is we're, we're, what we're getting here is what the Killing Curse, what Avada Kedavra, which plays a great role in the, in the Harry Potter books. This is what it looks like to Muggles. You know, the top this is, Twitter These trend. are, these are the, the what? The top no, Twitter
0: was... trend. Trend. It's been it's been trending on Twitter. They're like the number one spot for the past three days now. What has? Avada vatanavera. It has? Yes. I haven't been on yes. Twitter in
3: 3 days. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um anyway, so this is what the killing curse looks like. You know, we we've been told before that you, you know that didn't really actually no we hadn't been told before. This is the first instance of the killing curse and it's really cool to see that it doesn't really leave a trace. It just it kills you, but there's no way to uh, you know, otherwise, if you if it weren't for the fact that you're dead, there there would be no harm to you. So this was this is just a really interesting thing for the for the Harry Potter series in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we don't really know that there's just one killing curse at this point in reading the book. The curse that killed Harry's parents and was meant to kill him and backfired isn't specifically named, and it's not known to be the only curse that kills you until later in this book. So I thought that was interesting as well. Um, also. Uh, somebody in the, One of the townspeople Says the door Wasn't forced To the riddles uh, House So I just wanted To point out That even a Even Hello, Voldemort humora. Uses
0: Aloha "Alo <laughs> I'm recording I'm practicing <laughs> that For the video game
1: You also have to practice Flipendo 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 <laughs> flipendo, is it, <laughs> flipendo
0: Is it Flipendo Or stupendo Is it No it it's fl- definitely flipendo. It's flipendo I need to find that game And like re-record All those spells Those were great <laughs> I hated it. It ran through. Never mind. Anyway,
1: uh, incendio. <laughs> <laughs> Flipendo. So oh, anyway, boy.
3: having nothing to convict him on, Frank Bryce uh, is let go. He's not arrested. And uh, years and years and years and later, years later, Frank Bryce is considerably older, and he awakens one night to find his leg, uh, which had, he, he had hurt in the war. It's painting him worse than ever and uh he goes to to turn the kettle on and discovers the lights are on in the riddle house and, and this is uh, where the movie starts by the way this is where this <laughs> is where the movie starts frank's putting the kettle on and it's almost perfect some lights it's it's pretty cool um, so he thinks it's pranksters you know these these those darn young kids get off the grass sort of thing uh, always <laughs> used to break into the house he goes to investigate and sure enough he, he actually stumbles upon Voldemort and wormtail so um, Voldemort and wormtail have this little meeting uh, this the, it's important to mention this is this is Voldemort. From the end of this, we last saw this Voldemort at the end of *Sorcerer's Stone*. Uh, We saw Voldemort in *Chamber of Secrets*, and we didn't see him in *Prisoner of Azkaban* at all. But the Voldemort we saw in *Chamber of Secrets* was Diary Tom Riddle, and not this Voldemort. So I thought that was also important to remember. Um, Wormtail, on the other hand, is fresh from *Prisoner of Azkaban*. Uh so I said it's refreshing uh to Harry Potter readers, still upset over Pettigrew's escape at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, to be immediately immersed in where he is and what he is doing. Unfortunately, it means an evil plot. Oh no. Uh <laughs> here's a question. Voldemort tells Wormtail uh that Wormtail is supposed to milk Nagini before they retire. Uh, do you guys catch this? What he's, I do with my snake. He <laughs> says I need. He says I need feeding. You need to milk Nagini before we retire.
1: <laughs> I think I don't think he's referring to uh to actual milk. I, yeah, There's,
0: I don't I think, think he's, he's talking nipples. about nipples. I think yeah, he's, he's talking, talking about venom. venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think. But I think says you're all needs right. To it's to feed. Just, I just wonder about the necessity of things like this in the <laughs> Harry Potter series. <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: there's enough jokes about wands and such. Well, yeah, and Chamber another of secrets.
1: An, another favorite for I th- I do believe it was from *Goblet of Fire* was where Ron was very exasperated. He said something, and it says at the end of the quote, "Ron ejaculated." Ejaculated yeah.
3: loudly. Yeah. I first heard that line. Jim Dale read that line to me, and it's like, "Oh, what?" Ron ejaculated loudly. It's funny. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, okay, so so Voldemort's going to do some weird thing where he feeds on Nagini's milk, or maybe Nagini's milk is going to, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I think this is the first time we've seen Nagini, because uh, Voldemort has a pet snake. We didn't know about it before, and Joe, here's a great quote I found. Uh, once Frank is in the room, uh, Joe writes, The snake was curled up on the rotting hearth rug like some horrible travesty of a pet dog. <laughs> and I thought that was really cool. But Voldemort yeah, has a pit
1: snake. I love her use of description. She is so great. These are some of my favorite things in the books to read. Yeah, you,
2: you, um, you skipped over an important part though. Um, that Nagini is a horcrux, and Voldemort is, you know, essentially surviving off one of his horcruxes by drinking the venom. Of the guinea.
3: Well, is it? Yeah, it, I mean that's important. But is it? Is it? Is he going to use the venom to kill another animal and then feed off that animal? How is that? I mean, is it not milk? Is it venom? I don't. I just assume you know, the I guinea has nipples. I think it's venom.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's venom. So he's
3: going to eat the venom of. But he he's surviving off of again his one of his hor. Well, she's not entirely his horcruxes. It's like Harry, right? Where his part of his soul is also part of her. It's like when when harry and dumbledore in book 6 are talking about it dumbledore's like well ordinarily you wouldn't want to make another living thing your horcrux because it it would be like sharing your soul with somebody else so i feel mm-hmm. like you c if you are a horcrux you just have that part of someone else's soul and you you're, you're still your own entity so you can still be a snake and have nipples apparently but not you know be totally a horcrux
1: yeah yeah i agree uh, with you i guess so but, I mean, it makes sense to me. At this point, Voldemort's not human. He he doesn't have a body, so the fact that he's feeding off of Venom doesn't disturb me. I mean, it makes sense. He's evil. Of course he can eat Venom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's
3: a good point. Um, okay, so Frank overhears the whole game plan. Uh, it's pretty interesting, uh, and the stage is set. Something will happen involving a murder, and it will take place after the Quidditch World Cup. Uh, Frank Bryce, unfortunately... Uh, he stands up to Voldemort. To he die. says, "Hey, you." He says, "Yeah." And Voldemort Show your he face. says, "Face me like a man. Show your face." And Voldemort's like, "Oh, uh,
0: okay." <laughs> Voldemort, <we're laughs> this is actually the same around. exact thing that happened to me when I wanted to see Micah for the first time. He was sitting in a chair, <laughs> reversed me, and I was like, "Show your face!" And then I looked, and he turned around, and I almost passed out. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow Uh, thanks andrew no problem micah just warning people in the future yeah just kidding micah has a beautiful face he was dead before he hit the floor and 200 miles away the boy called harry potter woke with a start so harry only woke with a start because he wasn't seeing the whole dream to get back to that original email right he was just awaking from voldemort's frustration
1: yeah, and I think that this goes to show that Eric's point was correct, because clearly here where we're seeing um, J.K. Rowling operating as sort of, you know, a complete outside party. She's telling us stuff from the point of view of Frank, Voldemort, and now Harry. So I don't think any part of the first chapter was particular to any of those three characters. You know what I mean? I don't think it was particular to Harry just because she's talking about him as an outsider. Yeah. So
3: it was like and, and it was, was like the the other minister chapter. Where it's like
2: other people. And this is also where the movie took a little bit of liberty by putting Barty Crouch Jr. into the scene. Yeah. And making it they made the movie made it seem more like Harry was dreaming about this. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's where the mix up
3: occurred. And and even in the beginning of chapter two of this book, Harry is trying to recall he did see Voldemort and Wormtail in a room. Like that I, I think that's that's in the book where he did see him in a room. But I feel like it's at the very, sort of the events in, of his dream take place right before Frank dies. Mm-hmm. Like maybe there's some mumbling and he sees, you know, Frank sees Voldemort's face. And I think that's, that's what Harry basically saw.
1: Yeah. And a lot Frank of those dreams dying. throughout the book tended to be residual too. I mean, he would have dreams about this scene on more than one occasion. So he might've been seeing little bits and pieces at different times. Maybe not the whole thing at once. Right.
3: But I guess I guess we're meant I mean, this is also kind of like his connection with Voldemort through the scar, you know, where you can see when Voldemort's happy or sad. Voldemort just commits murder. And we're meant to believe at the exact same moment, Harry awakes from a nightmare, you know, so it's it's kind of like the scar connection is growing.
0: Well, now that Frank Bryce is dead, uh, as we had promised, we need to get back to playing songs for each fallen character. And Eric, you selected a song for Frank Bryce. It's called Wonderful, Wonderful by Johnny Mathis. And here's a small sample now in honor of... Goodbye, Nick Frank. I feel the glow of your unspoken love. I'm aware of the treasure. In peace, Frank Price.
1: Eric, I don't know why, Hopefully. but I have a feeling you were being ironic with your song choice.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I, it was. I feel the glow. I feel the glow of your love, and it's like the glow of the
0: death curse. I, I feel like that was <laughs> that was a pretty good choice. No, yeah, well like done, it. well done. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so now chapter two, the scar. This is uh, my chapter, and I gotta say, this you is- wrote it. Yes, I wrote this. Actually, I would not be proud <laughs> to write this, because this was one of the most basic chapters in all the Harry Potter series. It's basically <laughs> one giant review chapter. Um So we're going to get through it pretty quick. Harry wakes up, and he tries to recall that dream that he had had. Well, see, and here's... Okay. So wait a second. Hold on, Eric. Your whole point may be moot, because he did no. say he had a dream. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but- I'm saying he. I'm saying
3: he had a dream, but it wasn't all about the little Hangletons in a bar talking about how Frank Bryce must have murdered it. Okay, and, yeah, not you know, that. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was
1: just the Voldemort part. Yeah.
3: It was just
0: the Voldemort part at the end okay. of chapter one. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, sorry. I okay, makes sense now. No, that's cool. So as Joe does at the start of all the books, as as if my memory serves me correctly, we see a lot of reminders about what has happened in the previous books. In this case, the previous three books. Why does she do this? Is is this for people who haven't read the other ones or just a friendly reminder? Because this, if, I- if people haven't, if people are just picking up a book, say, just picking up Goblet of Fire not having read the other three... Shame on them.
1: Yeah, but this is pretty common when you have any kind of series or a saga or a trilogy. There's always a little bit of like a recap in the first couple of chapters. And I think it serves a double purpose. I think it serves a purpose for people who do read the books, but maybe um, don't read into them as deeply as like we would. And it's also for the losers who will go out and pick up book three first and All decide right. they're going to skip the first two. <laughs> I don't like that.
0: I don't like this. I I mean it's a nice reminder some things, but sometimes it, it's very know, heavy on the reminders. I think it's I important. wonder though
2: if if it's a publisher's decision though too cuz to me it doesn't seem something like JK Rowling would do.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's definitely what do you mean, the publisher/editor slash do? Editor do looks at it. Well, but maybe they suggested adding it because it is very very there's a I mean not to complain it's just a lot of reminders and I think Harry Potter fans you know a series I know like Laura said yes it happens probably in a lot of books but I don't know just a little but thing. it does
2: disappear though as the books go on I mean I remember when I was first reading the series and uh, I read I think it was the first four books or, or the first five books in one summer and there there was that repetitive nature of the first couple of chapters in in each of the books after Sorcerer's Stone kind of reflecting back a bit on what had happened. And and I didn't think it was absolutely necessary, but, right. you know, some of it's a little odd, too. I mean, you have quotes here, so I'll let you get to them, but, yeah. you know, some of it's odd, like, I don't know. She met, she mentions it so matter of factly that like he almost got killed by a basilisk.
0: <laughs> well, there are a couple like semi clever ways they remind people they give people an idea of Harry's world. For example, quote even Quidditch in Harry's opinion the best sport in the world couldn't distract him at the moment. So from that you get oh he's a big fan of Quidditch. Okay. Then another quote Privet Drive looked exactly as a respectable suburban street would be expected to look. End quote. So you think, oh, all right. So Drive is sort of like re- regular, typical. You don't need a full explanation, but it's it's a subtle way of reminding people. And then finally, quote, Harry was no stranger to pain and injury. He had lost all the bones from his right arm once. The same arm had been pierced by a venomous foot-long fang not long afterward. Only last year, Harry had fallen 50 feet from an airborne broomstick. So that is the history of Harry's arm. <laughs> <laughs> And then a couple pages <laughs> later, we get an overview of how Voldemort killed Harry's parents. Anyway, <laughs> the, the chapter continues and we see Harry realize that Voldemort couldn't possibly be nearby, despite his scar hurting worse as ever. Uh, this is an example of how we see Harry and Voldemort's connection strengthening as the series progresses. Then Harry wonders if he should let Hermione, Dumbledore, or the Weasleys know about the scar hurting and his quote-unquote dream but decides against it. And during this little side part, Harry wonders what Dumbledore does during the Hogwarts summer vacation and imagines, him's, imagines him at the beach. Lol. I wonder <laughs> what kind
1: that. of beach he would be at. <laughs> well, you think
0: Voldemort goes to the nude beaches? Laura
1: Voldemort? <laughs> I mean, Dumbledore? <laughs> Maybe. Dumbledore's a feisty fellow.
0: I bet he wears a bikini at the beach.
1: <laughs> I he bet totally no, he totally would. Doesn't. He doesn't wear
0: bikini. His beard covers
1: yeah. him.
3: It's like that Shel Silverstein poem, "My Beard." Wow, that's a visual. Yeah. That's, that's an intense visual. Joe's always writing about his beard, and you can put a belt
0: buckle around it and put some oh, bling on funny. it. So <laughs> Harry ultimately decides that he's gonna—he's not gonna tell Dumbledore or, or Hermione. He's just gonna write to Sirius. And he mentions that things are well, and P.S., his scar was hurting. So he keeps it low-key. He doesn't He doesn't make a big deal about it. This point also leads the way for a review of Sirius and Harry's relationship. So that's the chapter. It's a lot of review and a little progression. The progression was that Sirius, or Harry is writing a letter to Sirius, and Dumbledore would look good in a bikini at the beach. No, and so. wearing his beard. Or wearing nothing. So, Micah, that brings us to your chapter that you read and picked apart. I can't top that,
2: Andrew, but uh, I'm going to try. As you said, this this chapter is also, you know, a little bit light in terms of some of the stuff that's going on. So, I tried to pull some stuff out of it. um, And the chapter opens. With them all at the table for breakfast, and um, we we learn a little bit more about Dudley and and what he's been doing the last year or so. and And I want to know why are the Dursleys slow blind to the fact that Dudley is a fat, obnoxious, delinquent moron? Because they're
0: fat, obnoxious you know, morons. <laughs> they want to. Yeah. It's it's the it's this only child syndrome. It's you got to spoil your child. Yeah. You know,
1: and they're the typical, my child is a genius and can do no wrong type of parents.
2: Right. Well, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was hoping you guys would say, because they talk about the report card. Um, They talk about, obviously, Dudley's weight now that it's interesting now that that Dudley has to go on a diet that, that everybody seems to be (laughs) um, having to, to do the same thing, including Harry. Um, little do they know Harry has a whole stash of uh, cakes and other things up on underneath the floorboard. Uh, but I, just, you're right, Laura. It's kind of, or and Andrew too. The only child slash my child is the best thing in the world, you know. And I don't know. And Dudley's like the kid that it's interesting because Dudley would be the kid that you would expect to get picked on, but he's actually not. He's the one who does the picking. No, well, most maybe. most
3: most most bullies are bullied themselves, aren't they? Do you think it? Do you think at school, like yeah, people but, pick on Dudley?
1: I don't know. Maybe. I think the thing is, though, he was raised to be such a little brat that he yeah. never really had too much of an opportunity to be picked on himself. Maybe
0: it just because he's big and spoiled. I don't think that's any reason no. for him to be picked on in particular. You know, because a lot of other kids are probably just like him. Well, pe- pe- um, that's true. Yeah, I think I
3: think Petunia especially indulged him. You know, the Vernon and Petunia, they didn't see any wrong with 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 Dudley. The fact that that he's on a on a diet now because the school nurse wrote to <laughs> Petunia is kind of funny. And I think the fact that, and Petunia is going about it so everybody has to suffer so that so that Dudley can can lose some weight just to make Dudley feel better about it that. That everybody's kind of going through well, the the diet thing.
2: What did J.K. Rowling refer to him as? A small beluga or a small whale? Yeah, she whale, actually. I, I, like there that. are
3: people who are really offended by by her word choice in in describing large characters.
0: And she's Harry just bodies. trying. Well, to I be wonder funny. who
2: he's based off of. I wonder if it's somebody that she knew growing up. That this I, that I this I character is based it. off. I of. doubt it.
0: I just can't imagine Dudley any other way. I think I, I you know that that adds to his character. I mean, that's why we love to hate the Dursleys, because on top of them being jerks to Harry, they, they spoil their kid. And, and Harry sees that and realizes how spoiled he is. And, and he's, he, he's annoyed by how poorly he, Harry, is treated while Dudley just, just gift after gift, cake after cake. You, you not know, anymore that's though, that, not with this new that, diet. That's why that scene in book seven didn't
3: move me, where Dudley's like, wait a minute, I don't understand. Harry's not coming with us. Cause I was like, no, that's right. You don't understand cause you're dumb. Like, I didn't, <laughs> I, 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 I could see that it was emotional for Harry and for Dudley, maybe, and for Petunia, but I didn't, it didn't particularly move me in the book when, when, when they were walking out the door and Dudley stopped, you know, because I was like, eh, I think it's a little too late for you. But yeah, Dudley's kind of, uh, Dudley's, Dudley's a monster.
2: <laughs> yeah. So th- as breakfast concludes, uh, Harry uh gets a letter from Mrs. Weasley. Vernon goes to the door, the postman is there. And uh he's a little bit concerned that uh the postman rang the doorbell um to deliver this letter from Mrs. Weasley <laughs> and he in fact called it funny because it was covered in stamps. <laughs> Um, and and we talked about this a little bit. I don't. I think it may have been Prisoner of Azkaban when we did chapter by chapter. You know, Vernon is beyond scared that even the slightest oddity will cause people to think his family is associated with the wizarding world. And th- the funny thing is that no neighbors, with the exception of one postal workers or anybody else, even know that such a world exists to associate them with. So. Is he just afraid of being seen as anything other than mainstream society? Is that yeah, what yeah? And I
1: think actually, for this, we can go back to book one. What is the first line of the first chapter of *Sorcerer's Stone*? Mr. Something and along the lines Vernon
3: of Mrs. Vernon Dursley of Number Four Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> exactly.
3: Uh, you're such you're such a know it all, Eric. That's <laughs> <laughs> nah, actually pretty impressive. Word for
0: word, I I don't think it said Vernon though, but yeah, yeah, you're right. This is a family. They're stuck in their ways. You know, I think we all know people like this.
3: Well, I mean, this happens time and time again. I mean, in Book 5, the Mad-Eye Moody and the the Order uh, lure the Dursleys out of their house by (laughs) luring them away to a best-kept Gardens of Britain (laughs) competition. Congratulations! You've been nominated for the yeah. the best kept lawn and garden. Which I, is I funny considering uh, they
1: were in the middle of a drought at that point in the book. So I doubt their lawn know, that is very funny. good. I didn't
3: I didn't put two and two
1: together there. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah. all
2: right. Well, the the back and forth between Harry and Vernon um, starts over whether or not Harry can go and stay with the Weasleys and go see the Quidditch World Cup. That's the point of uh, mrs weasley sending this letter and and i thought that vernon's bigotry really came through here um but so did harry's cunning you know he was always thinking one step ahead of his uncle and i don't know if that's just because vernon is not the sharpest knife in the drawer or because harry you know has a little bit of his father in him has a little bit of voldemort in him um and you know, just some of those examples. Harry stops himself from saying Hogwarts Express because he knew that unless he said the word train, his his uncle was going to flip out. Um, then Vernon, you know, kind of on the bigotry end, refers to Mrs. Weasley as a dumpy woman with lots of redheaded kids. Yeah, that's rich. And Harry thought that that was comical, that Vernon would refer to anybody as being dumpy. Um, and then Vernon asks what Quidditch is and then can't stand the word broomstick being said. Um, and, uh, the other thing was when uh, they were referring to how Harry would send a response back to the Weasleys, the normal way of response, Harry says, you know, owl post, that's what's normal for us wizards. And then Vernon responds. And I think this really typifies his character when he says, how many times do I have to tell you not to mention that unnaturalness under my roof? And I mean that pretty much describes the Dursley family as a whole. I mean, to use the word unnaturalness is pretty strong.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it's mean. It's pure mean. They have they have no sensitivity for Harry. They, you know, it, it's bad. It's it's very and it, it's rough to read. Mrs. Weasley has
3: gone out of her way here to write this letter. You know, and to, and to stamp it, sure they're like, we want to make sure there's enough stamps, which is funny because it's, you know, you ne- you never want to find yourself not having paid enough to ship, you know, not having put enough stamps on something. So it's funny that, but she she went out of her way and wrote this letter to Mister Vernon Dursley. You know what I'm saying? And he can't respect that because it's weird. It makes him look a little weird. The postman doesn't think twice about it. But he just—he's just like, oh, this is kind of peculiar, and has to ring the doorbell to deliver it. You know, I mean, it's that really upsets him.
2: And so Harry uh, can see the wheels turning in Vernon's head about what is the decision going to be, and of course he comes up with the idea that. Sirius wouldn't be too happy. His crazy maniac of a godfather, who was once imprisoned, um, you know, wouldn't be uh, very happy with the fact of of Harry not going to this Quidditch World Cup. And uh, you know, I mentioned that earlier. I thought that was kind of a bit of of, of James in in Harry, you know, coming up with the sort of the cunning um, decision making there by saying, "Well, you know, if you don't let me go, my, you know." Crazy godfather that you saw on television or heard about on television, yeah, he might make a visit here to Privet Drive. And that was pretty much all Vernon needed
3: in order to And make that would be really unnatural. Exactly. Well because oh, yeah, Petunia's uh, the kind of woman who believes what she she hears on TV, you know, so oh, they've seen Sirius Black on TV. He was he was done on the muggle you know he was an escaped prisoner and oh he's my godfather says harry at the end of the last book so it's uh it, it, yeah it's it's good reading harry like this because you do get a bit of a, a bit of james but also it's it's kind of it's harry's personality which i i feel like we don't see enough of really in the books, like him having to act faster or, or think fast like this and, and really reason his way out of things or reason with unreasonable people. I don't know. Maybe the whole.
2: Yeah, but he's also of like at that. the same time. Yeah, he's grown a lot, though, too, I think, over the course of the last few books. And you see, like, how his approach to Vernon has changed on certain things. Like, he knows that he can outwit him almost. All right, and then so after this whole fiasco and Harry gets permission to go to visit with the Weasleys and go to the Quidditch World Cup, um, he gets back to his room and he finds this annoying owl flying around, you know, Pigwigan, Pig whatever the hell his name is at this point. P- I'll just call him Pig. Um, and uh, Pig has a letter for for Harry from Ron. You know, this is what I didn't get though. One went through the normal post and then Ron sends one, you know, by owl. I I understand the whole Mrs. Weasley wanting to respect the, uh, the Dursleys, but you know, it's kind of like mass mail going on. I don't, I don't know, but, um, and, and Hedwig was, was very upset by the fact that this, little puffball was (laughs) was flying around the room, and, uh, you know, that Harry had given his response to Ron that he was going to be, you know, visiting them to Pig, and, uh, but then she, she is, you know, very much happy with the fact that Harry decides to give her the responsibility of taking a letter to Sirius, Um, so... Hedwig is the much more dignified owl, I guess you could say, and has more responsibility. She's got attitude, um, but
0: look who yeah, survives exactly. at I was the end. Say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Look who
1: dies?
0: <laughs> Pigwidgeon's like, hey, <laughs> sucks for you. <laughs> I showed you,
2: Hedwig. Yeah, but I'm gonna drop a little. But but the bird does have a little bit of attitude. Now. Yeah,
3: Hedwig's got attitude. Hedwig's like Aretha Franklin, <laughs> and and like Weird you know but all right, she's just. I feel like she's just always demanding the respect. You got to respect the bird, you know. When Harry's like, Harry'll like let her out of the cage or have her there, and she, and he'll like look away to talk to Ron, and she'll peck him on the finger and be like, "Hey, I'm your bird. What's up?" You know, or yeah, you know when when
2: well she did that um, a little bit in this chapter though too. Um, you know, she was what was she clicking her beak?
3: Yeah, she always does these when little touch-tut-tuts and the, tuts, the clicking of her beak. And, I mean, clearly when, when he tries to leave without her at, in Chamber of Secrets, you know, she flips out. And she's like, squawk, squawk, and ends up waking up Vernon. But, you know, Harry almost left without her. So I guess Harry kind of deserves some of that, you know, indi- in, in, indignity, dig, indignant uh, attitude. But still, Hedwig is Hedwig's quite a character. And it's just a shame what happens to her?
2: Um, and then the final bit of the chapter. I mentioned earlier that uh, Harry was was keeping all these cakes underneath That's his right. floorboards because of uh, the fact that the the Dursleys were eating such small portions now. Um, so he wrote to all of his friends and to Hagrid and to Sirius, um, you know, to get. Some sweets so that he can store them safely away. And and Andrew, you
0: asked the brilliant question:
1: all these cakes,
2: don't they need a yes. refrigerator?
1: Well, yes. maybe they maybe they're I, wrapped.
0: That doesn't now no. see. I had a cake in Las Vegas for my twenty first birthday, and it went bad like after a day or two. There is no way unless there's some sort of cake o keep fresh o charm. Yeah, that but i not to mention. Harry couldn't have put the charm
3: on Because that's underage magic Right so unless unless they were thinking ahead And they already put like Preservative charms on their food Before they sent it to Harry uh, Yeah he should have had like A little mini fridge Underneath his floorboards there
0: Yeah I think that's a serious plot yeah. I, I,
2: I don't think the rock cakes Probably would have made much difference They probably would have tasted the same Yeah the rock cakes would have tasted
0: the same So that's chapters one through three of Goblet of Fire. If you have any feedback for us, feel free to email in by visiting MuggleCast.com and let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the discussions we had today. Speaking of email, we're going to get to Muggle Mail now. This first one comes from Zach of Washington. He writes, hey guys, I'm a big fan of the show since I've been listening since day one in August 2005. However, I'm a few episodes behind, so apologies if you've recently discussed the following. After watching and loving Inception, I realized how similar elements of the movie are to Harry Potter concepts. 1. Extraction, stealing someone's secrets from their mind while they're dreaming is just like Legilimency. 2. Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio's character can train people defend to defend their minds from such intrusions, just like Occlumency. Lastly, the title concept of Inception Playing an idea in someone's head is exactly what Voldemort did in book five to Harry when he uses a false memory of Sirius. Just thought they were neat connections. Keep up the good work. Zach. Have you guys seen Inception?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. It was no so good. No. I love that really? movie. It was yeah. awesome.
0: It really were was you awesome. guys thinking about the Harry Potter connections?
1: Actually, no. no. I hadn't thought about it until oh. just now. But I mean, it's true. It just goes to show that, you know... There aren't too many, like, original ideas anymore, but there are original twists that you can take on them. So, Laura, could you read the next email from Liz, please? Sure. Uh, Liz, age 18, from Montreal, writes, Hello, everyone. So, I love the analysis of the trailer. There were a lot of scenes discussed that I hadn't seen before, so that was pretty sweet. And seriously, the Voldy Harry kissing comments cracked me up. But you guys argued and speculated and complained a lot about the scene where Harry and Voldemort are battling in the courtyard, and I thought I would suggest my thoughts on that clip. This is the same courtyard in which we see Professor Trelawney being fired and booted out by Umbridge in the Order of the Phoenix film. In that scene, there is no one in the courtyard, but everyone is watching from beneath the archways that surround the open space. Is it possible that when Harry tells all the other people to stop fighting, that it has to be just him and Voldemort, they retreat to the archways and watch from there? It's much more fitting to Harry's character to keep everyone out of harm's way. Obviously, that space wouldn't fit as many people as the Great Hall would have, and it's probably not as satisfying a solution. But it's still possible that there were witnesses to the epic final fight. Anyway, just a speculation. Thanks for reading. Yeah, Liz. so as
0: everyone remembers, as Liz brought up, we were like, why? We're- First of all, it's not in the Great Hall, even though not too many people were bothered by that when we discussed it on our live show. But also there <laughs> there was a lack of people around. And that, that was kind of a cool thing to see in the book. So that's a good theory, I, I guess. I still, I mean, I still think in those shots you would have seen the people in the background, somehow. I Although mean, they, they did
3: edit out they did edit out the blood off Hermione's hands, so maybe they just edit out all the thousands of people who are watching Harry <laughs> Five. Old
0: That's not suitable for all audiences when they're watching this trailer. You saw <laughs> Dead Bodies, though.
2: Yeah, you did. I was just
0: going to say that. I, I think I was the
2: one who probably had the biggest problem with them not doing it in the Great Hall, but... I, I, We'll see what happens. I mean, obviously, I'm not the decision maker, and they've already made the decision, so uh, it'd be interesting. I don't think you, – you, th- that was such a wide shot that if there really were people there, you probably would have seen yeah. a few of them.
1: And, I mean, everything so, was in ruins around them, too. So, yeah, I,
3: Because of the state of ruin, I <laughs> yeah. felt like there was nobody around for miles, and it was just Harry and Voldemort. I feel like the scene in The Great Hall might happen where Harry is like, hey, Tom, and Voldemort's like – my name is Voldemort. And he's like, no, it's Tom. Tom. And then I feel like they're gonna take it outside. I, <laughs> and then Voldemort's I like, like, let's take this
1: outside. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, let's take this outside. Outside. Hey, don't like, you call me Tom. Five o'clock. Seriously, I I feel <laughs> like that scene may still happen, but I you know if I am even guessing to to if I'm gonna pretend to know the direction the films have taken in the past, I feel like they would think it's a more personal uh idea. To have Harry and Voldemort when it's actually coming down to the very, 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 very end for it to just just be Harry and Voldemort. It's also true. All right, but and <laughs> the like... final email, Mike,
0: can you oh, can read that, do that, please?
3: Okay. Oh, sure. Go ahead. All right. This one's from Ellie, 15, of Glatzenbury, UK. <laughs> the subject is drug warts. Hey, guys, I don't know how to start this, so I'm just going to jump right in. Why is everyone at Hogwarts so good? They never smoke, do drugs, get drunk, or high, and the wildest their parties get is McGonagall quieting the celebrations. I realize this book is set from Harry's perspective, and he's too preoccupied with saving the world from you-know-who to do you-know-what, but it all seems a little unfeasible. Do you think the students do anything like that, and... JK just tried to keep things PG and not encourage injecting mandrake juice or whatever? Or do muggle wizard drugs affect them weirdly? Thanks for reading my rambles. Oodles and oodles of love, Ellie.
1: Well I, we we I, actually do see examples in the books though. Um small ones. Like there's one particular like at Christmas, um, It's pretty clear that McGonagall has had some amount of alcohol because she like blushes and turns red when Dumbledore kisses her on the cheek. And then, of course, they talk about Trelawney and all of her sherry. So, I don't know. I think, I think it's just, I don't know. Ellie's talking
0: about wild, wild parties. Like, you know, crazy stuff going on. Like cops show up and, or sorry, head (laughs) boys show up and bust the parties. Stuff like that. (laughs) And honestly, the simple answer is there's no place for it in these books.
1: Yeah, I mean, what would be the point? However,
0: if it did... Realistically, of course, they have to party. Come on,
3: Hermione needs to drink. I think it is. Yeah, I think it's funny though that the the alcoholics, the partiers, the the people who behave inappropriately in the Harry Potter books are the adults. Are Hagrid who gets way too drunk and needs Harry, Hermione, and and Ron to dip his head in a in 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 a cauldron, you know. And it's Trelawney who wanders the halls, dropping bottles of of alcohol. So. That's interesting, but yeah, I think everybody parties, and I think the very mention of things like fire whiskey and uh, and all the various other little products that that Joe has mentioned are are signs. Yeah, that, and the households
1: get do. drunk too. The <laughs> right. households get drunk. Not to mention, and we'll the see a lot from them. in out loud.
0: Later installments of chapter by chapter. Yeah. yeah, we will. To wrap up the show today, we'll get a chicken soup email. This one's from Chantal, eighteen of British British Columbia, Canada. Hey guys, for the past summer, I've been working around 10 hours a day, 5 days a week. My job entails staring at sweet bell peppers as they pass on a conveyor belt. The pay is good, but 90% of the time, I'm dying of boredom. I've heard about you before, but never quite got into it until this summer, I began listening to the chapter-by-chapter episodes. You basically saved me from slow, boring death. I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. The books never were quite as addicting to my other friends as they are to me, but I love flaunting my odd obsession i've read almost all the books over 20 times so the chapter by chapter is really a great way to read them from a different angle thank you so much you guys rock chantal wow. all right thanks chantal Aww. nice email yeah so that's it five years guys any final words for five years of muggle cast i just want to say thanks again
1: yeah it's been really incredible i didn't think i would uh know you guys this long to be honest
0: yeah well Well, would you just stop
2: knowing us (laughs) (laughs) well i didn't know
1: i didn't imagine that five years later we all we'd all still be podcasting together all still getting on skype so it's definitely really cool
0: and it's opened a lot of opportunities that personally i'm eternally grateful for yeah definitely and And i mean
1: yeah ultimately i've made some of my best friends doing this so
0: definitely definitely so, it's been a good time. Been a good time. And uh, episode 205, our next episode, should be released around August 18th. So, keep an eye out for it then. Thanks again, everyone. We really appreciate your support over the years. You're all wonderful. And here's the five more years. Five Woo! more years. Five more years. <laughs> yes. Woo!
2: 200 more episodes. <laughs> we, will, we
0: will keep podcasting for a very long time. You do not have to worry about any sort of end. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
0: And I'm Micah Tannebel. We'll see you next time for episode 205. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Laura, it was so good to have you back.
0: Aww,
1: it was thank you. good to have you back. I miss you guys.
0: Missed you too. Your voice is so so soothing, and it really is. So like so all the other times, I was kidding, but now having not heard it for so long, I can really appreciate it.
1: Oh well, thanks. <laughs> I guess. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna replay your audio clip tonight before I go to bed. <laughs> oh, that's
1: kind of creepy, sir. But <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever does it for you, I guess. <laughs>